2: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/match. Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
0: Indeed. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast
0: Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience for the last three or four years he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to
1: the line he'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four a great move in that corner he comes to the
0: line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony
1: Stewart before he was Tony Stewart?
0: I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to
1: survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by MyRacePass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Handy Camping Center, located at 4387 U.S. 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Proud to welcome NASCAR All-Star Festivities back to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in almost 30 years. You can meet NASCAR drivers. Driver Mike Wallace at Handy Camping Center from 11 to 1, Friday, May 19th. Talk racing, talk camping. Get you an autograph as NASCAR returns to North Wilkesboro Speedway. Today's guest, a businessman with a marketing background. Prior to joining NASCAR, he was the executive VP of sales and marketing for Wasserman Media Group. In 1990, he began a 14-year tenure with the NFL, where he served as VP Corporate Marketing. He joined NASCAR as VP of corporate marketing in 2005, spent 12 years as chief marketing officer overseeing all marketing functions for the sanctioning body. In September 2018, he was appointed president of the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, only the fifth individual to hold this position since the organization's founding. During his time at NASCAR, he's won Adweek's prestigious sports marketing executive of the year. And was named its brand genius award winner in the sports category. He's kind of a big deal. He's Steve Phelps. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Say hi to Mike
0: Wallace. Hey, Jeff. Thank you. Mike, uh, always a pleasure.
2: Pleasure. Boy, I tell you what, brand <laughs> genius. I think should that we was, right yeah. now. That was what? a mouthful. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a that's a hard one to to live down, and I, I, someone needs to take that off the bio for heaven's sake.
2: I <laughs> uh, No, I wouldn't. I'd I'd have everybody read it. I'd put it in there twice. It sounds very impressive. You'll highlight it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, S- S- Steve, the unique thing about our show and a podcast here is that we do things just a little different than everybody else. We're, we we want to know who you were before who you are. We we know you're the president of NASCAR. We're going to get to that later in the show, but. I'm going to let you take us way back in time and you just, you establish where we're going to start at because you you were in the NFL, you were in Wasserman, you're at NASCAR, you're the president of NASCAR, but there were some little kids, Steve Phelps, back in the day. So uh, we got how many fans? The whole world is listening, the Mike. Whole- Steve. The whole world. Is <laughs> okay. Listening. So this is pretty important. I, I appreciate
0: Steve. the invitation to speak to the whole world.
2: Yeah, it's not many people so, can uh, provide the whole world. Having so, uh, said that, the platform is yours. Yes.
0: yes, I love it. <laughs> so yeah. So I think it, go, going back to it, Mike, is I. You know, obviously, I. I was a little kid like everyone else. So I, I'll tie that back to. Um, nascar in racing um because it was an important part of my childhood um i was the seventh kid uh of seven so the last of seven kids um and i grew up in vermont which is where my dad was from um and he was his family lived in vermont for you know a couple hundred years um no joke um and it's um but my father was an outdoorsman hunting fishing guy. And I was, uh, I tried to follow in those footsteps. I failed miserably at most of those. Um, but the one thing we did share was our love of, of racing. Um, and my dad brought me to my first NASCAR race. I was probably five or six. And I went with my brother who was a year older than me and my father. And we were, um, we were exposed to, to NASCAR at Catamount Speedway, which is one of the, uh, two speedways that Ken Squire owned. Um, and he, you know, obviously still Thunder, Thunder Road is still there in Barry, Vermont. Um, and it's, um, so I loved it from the first time I went there. And, um, so the journey to, to be the president of NASCAR is certainly, uh, there's lots of hard work, but it's humbling to be here. And what I try to do or do my best job is, is trying to look through the lens of what it is to be a fan, um, because that's who I was. And I think there's a notion for a long time, that NASCAR, the sanctioning body, didn't care about short track racing, um, and you know what's happening at the local tracks. That's just not true, and so I think that through some of the relationships that we now have, like with Flow Sports um, and you know different um, sanctioning series around the country, that that we do care, um, and you see our drivers at all levels competing uh, at those. At those local tracks, and it's it's important whether you're talking about asphalt or dirt, because um, I know there was a there was a divide at some point between asphalt and dirt and those fans, and um, whether the dirt fans fans wanted to embrace um, NASCAR uh, because of you know the significant amount of uh, of asphalt racing that we do. Um, so it just um, to me it was racing's always been a big part of of my upbringing um and you know interestingly enough when i got into my teens and in 20s um, i actually have never said this to him i actually said it to your little brother mike um a couple of weeks back but my favorite driver in the kind of that 80s late 80s uh, and 90s um was rusty wallace oh my so i've never told I've never told Rusty that. I, I don't want to get a, give I, him a big. Hit. I
1: was gonna say you're gonna have to get him a new hat size when you say that
0: because uh,
1: <laughs> we'll he, tell him next week. He's yeah. gonna be on the show next week. Yeah, yeah. you know it was.
2: It's <laughs> so, funny, Steve. I I've been trying to get Rusty on the show, and yeah. he keeps giving me whatever excuse. So when you agreed to come on, I thought. If he turns me down after Steve Phelps is on, then then there's something wrong. You know, like we're a real deal. We're a real show here. And so I sent him a note, and I says, uh, hey, any interest in coming on? I give him the date. I says, I got Steve Phelps coming on the week before. And it's like, oh, yeah, I think I can fit that in now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as a show, we have arrived. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, we appreciate your. Uh... So... so um... But it, that was, again, it was an important part of my – NASCAR has always been an important part of, of my past. Um, I loved it. And so people, you know, say, well, hey, you worked at the NFL. Why would you go to NASCAR? Um, I went to NASCAR because I love NASCAR. And I look at the opportunities that, that we have now um, to really get growth, sustained growth in the sport. It's, import, it's important for us. So – but going, I'll go back. I'll get past the little kid portion. Let, let me ask you uh, something.
2: Let me interrupt sure. you for a second. So when you said sure. you went to that local racetrack with your dad and your brother, and yeah. what did you like about NASCAR? Let's say racing, NASCAR racing. And yeah. let, me, let me put this out front first. I was able to win the – in 1990, I won the NASCAR Winston Racing Series Regional Championship. Yeah. I think it's one of the greatest series there ever was, and I just – you know it is that way but today and i i love you if you're saying you're going to stay committed to the short track racers around the mm-hmm. world whether it's dirt and asphalt because i ran sure. nascar sanctioned events on dirt nascar sanctioned events on asphalt and uh, i'll be honest with you if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have had an opportunity to be a nascar big time driver right yeah sure so i'm sorry so what was the passion or what did you like about it as a little kid
0: i think it was just you know really is what you get at any NASCAR rates, it's kind of the sights and the sounds and the smell and just that sensory overload and, you know, racing under the lights with the, you know, the bright colored cars. And, you know, my, my, I'll age myself. My was my favorite television show at the time was a cartoon called speed racer. And so speed racer,
2: here we go. (laughs) I know all about that
0: Yep. (laughs) So white number five. Right. So I was, I was, uh, telling my dad, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm gonna root for the white number five. And he said, No, you're not. That he's from Quebec. <laughs> you're gonna root for the Vermonters. So and he said, Hey you can root for, you know, Bobby or Beaver Dragon. Um, and I'm like oh, okay. But I secretly rooted for the number five who was the I think his name was Jean Paul Cabana. Um and that's uh, that's where my love of racing started. So it was um it, I don't know. It's it's the same thing that, you know, kind of the bug that everyone gets is is when you go to the racetrack for the first time and you fall in love with it, which is why we try to get people to come to the racetracks. Because if they come to the racetracks, more often than not, they're going to become lifelong, lifelong fans.
1: That's so well said. Because I feel the same way. The first time I went to a NASCAR race, it was it was the sights and the sounds and the the smell, the smell of the fuel and the and the and the rubber and just the exciting the whole th- and and people over the years who have said to me, "I don't really like NASCAR. I do it, It's boring. They just go round and round. I always say, "Have you ever been?" And usually they say, "No." Either well, you need to go when you experience yeah. that you'll change your opinion yeah yeah
2: i agree no, with I you.
0: yeah i'm sorry Mike. go ahead
2: no i was just gonna second everything and third what you said it's just you gotta go feel it taste it smell it Te- yeah. television is a great tool for it once you know the sport but it's not a good tool to get somebody introduced to it you know if you can go there and yeah, you gotta see go. it feel it just simple things the midway displays the t t-shirt displays the, the, silly things that are being done on the midway, good shows, but, uh, yeah, gotta be there. Absolutely.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And I think, um, you know, I, I love looking through the, the eyes of a first timer and I'm like, whenever I meet someone before the race starts, I will say it's not going to be what you think it is. Um, and it's going to be better. Um, and you're going to love it. And even if someone leaves and, they don't become a lifelong fl- fan they at least have an appreciation for the magnitude and the scale of what they've just seen um and i think that's a that's an important thing for us
2: yeah so let's back up just a little bit you come out of that short track world like in that you uh then you somewhere along the line. how do you get to the nfl that's a, that intrigued me sure. i didn't know that about you how did you come from that young man to all of a sudden working for one of the
0: biggest it's, sporting deals in the world. Yeah, so um, you know we, we didn't come from a lot of, uh, from a lot of money and, and my mom worked at the University of Vermont. she was a, she was at the time they'd call her a secretary and now we would call him an assistant. Um, and so she worked as, um, as an assistant um, for one of the departments at the University of Vermont. And because of that, my brother and I went to school. Um, our, with our tuition paid for, which was a really cool perk that she got as part of working there.
1: Oh, she got you. She got you. I'm That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, so
0: mom got you a scholarship. <laughs> a full, <Tomorrow>. a full <laughs> ride. <laughs> All he had to so do well, was. I, could, I, I couldn't get it on an athletic or brain, so I had to get it through my mother. So. <laughs> he had
2: to just clean his room at night. <laughs> I mean, come on. Exactly <laughs> right.
0: Sweet. So. Um, so I went to university of Vermont and then I had this idea that I, I wanted to work in sports. Didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I tried to find myself a job in sports and it did failed miserably. So I decided to go after my undergraduate degree at the university of Vermont, I went and got my, my MBA at Boston college. And so then I started on that path as well, trying to get a job in sports. I was failing miserably at that as well. And so, Ultimately, there's a family friend that said, Hey, you know, what you should do is ju- just go work for a, a company in marketing and big company, you know, cut your teeth, and then the sports people will want you to come work there. So I worked for, I took his advice. I got hired at a company called American Home Products, which is primarily at the time was a pharmaceutical company. I worked for the foods division. And so we made foods like Chef Boyardee and Jiffy Pop and Goulin's Mustards and some others. Um, and so, my first job, I was the assistant product manager of the Chef Boyardee brand.
2: Well, that and was a big brand to and be was, part of. Absolutely, and yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would say it wasn't not a culinary um, uh, <laughs> not not my favorite food, but it it was uh, it was well, free at the time as well. Because yeah, uh, had had brand,
2: well known brand though,
0: right? <laughs> it Especially. was good, but it was a big brand that had a you know billion dollars in sales, and then I ended up getting promoted, and the I came out with the same thing, but it was, for the first time, it was a microwavable Chef Lairdie. So, again, I'll date myself. And then I wanted to, I had an opportunity to go work for the Guinness Import Company. I was the brand manager on the Bass Ale brand. So, I went from Chef Barretti to a uh, high end beer. Um, I thought it was stepping step in the right direction <laughs> from a lifestyle standpoint. I'm not talking about my drinking, I'm yeah. talking about <laughs> the brand itself.
1: Well, Jeff, I Jeff perked, up a, I perked up a little bit there. Yeah, because, you yeah. know, now you're too, you're going from free product from Chef Boyardee to free product yeah. from Guinness. Not for and, sure. Yeah.
0: Sweet. Yeah, and at, at Guinness, we, we had a converted, like an English pub that was on the top of our building. And you could have Dos Equis, which we imported, Guinness, Bass. I mean, it was unbelievable, but probably not healthy it's a good, I only stayed there three months and, and that's how I got the job at the NFL. Illegal. I got a call from a guy and you know, they, they were looking for someone with my background and I came in and you know, within seven years I was running their sponsorship group. Um, and then I stayed another seven and it was, um, I love working there. There It was a, a great brand, obviously great sport. Um, I was at Wasserman for a year, worked for Casey and, um, that was different and interesting. I I enjoyed it, but the NASCAR folks came calling and, you know, Brian and Lisa asked me to join and um, I thought it was a good idea and I thought it was a good idea because I thought that how the sport and the community comes together and, you know, it's just a very different entity than, than the NFL and, what i say to all my employees at the end of every town hall that we do
1: hold, hold that I thought said, steve. steve okay we need it's to take a great a- opportunity to take a break we gotta we gotta take care of some business here steve surely you understand nascar president steve phelps is on the line you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media On April 4th, 1976, Cale Yarborough, racing for Junior Johnson at the time, beat Richard Petty to the checkered flag after leading 364 laps of the Gwynn Stanley 400 at North Wilkesboro. And four miles down the street, Robert Handy Camping was born that very same year. Family owned and operated since 1976 in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, Mama, Scott and Robert are always happy to take care of all your camping needs. With coach brands like Flagstaff and Salem, and every part your camper may need. This year, the NASCAR All-Star Race Week will be returning to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in almost 30 years.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
2: Be continued
0: at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: And NASCAR driver Mike Wallace will be at Handy Camping Center from 11 to 1 Friday, May 19th with Scott and the gang from Handy talking racing, camping, and everything in between. Handy Camping is located at 4387 US 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Race fans, see you there as NASCAR returns to North Wilkesboro. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Brought to you today by Handy Camping Center, 4387 U.S. 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Family owned and operated since 1976 with coach brands such as Flagstaff and Salem and every part your camper may need. Meet NASCAR driver Mike Wallace in person Friday, May 19th from 11 to 1. Get you an autograph. Handy Camping Center. Proud to welcome NASCAR back to North Wilkesboro, speedway once again joining us on the line nascar president steve phelps and here's mike wallace well steve just to
2: let you know how much of an effect we're going to get back to you in just a second but how much an effect the north wilkesboro race has on handy camping centers i invited me to be a, a do some autographs for them and they're getting a big promotion around the wilkesboro race so you're affecting the whole county up there just thought i'd share that with you
0: they love you guys <laughs> no i know the, ca- the county's been terrific and everyone you talk to at the county and you know, i Uh, met a bunch of folks up there and, and they're just race fans. Uh, And they're just so excited that we're coming back for, for the all-star race um, at North Wilkesboro. So, and and the, and the folks at Speedway Motorsports have worked really hard, you know, to get the facility, um, you know, in shape to be able to, to bring that a premier event like the NASCAR all-star race there. So really hats off to, to Marcus and his whole team.
2: Great. So let me – sorry to interrupt that. I kind of get jumping around at times. I don't follow the pattern very well because I have no script. (laughs) The show
1: is one big ad lib.
2: Yes. So uh, you were talking about you uh, were at the NFL. Then you got recruited, I'm assuming, through uh, someone at NASCAR, the France family. Someone came calling. Yep. How how did that happen? How do you get a call when you're you're really good at what you do in another uh, in this particular case at the NFL? Does somebody just pick up the phone and call you or is there
0: a pretty much yeah, we it actually came through a recruiter. Mm-hmm. But I met I had met Brian France on a number of events because we share a, shared a significant number of sponsors like a Coca Cola. Um and so Brian was um I think he was warm to the the idea about bringing me on. Um, they were looking to have someone, um, you know, be the head of the New York office. Um, Brett Yormark had had recently left the organization, so they're looking for someone. And it was it was um, initially it, it wasn't something I thought I wanted to do um, until I actually met with with Brian, and then I had dinner with Lisa Kennedy, and they convinced me that what I would be doing for NASCAR was so much more important for NASCAR, honestly, than it was for the NFL. Um, because the money we brought in at the NFL was a bit of a rounding error relative to where their media relationships were and some of their other revenue streams, which I think is true. And so, but it was more than that when I spoke to them, it was really this sense of community that was just so different than the NFL. And, you know, as I was starting to to say at the end of every town hall that Mm -hmm. we do for our employees, I always finish the same way. It's like every single one of you has the opportunity to help grow our sport. If you choose to do that, talking to, you know, exposing our sport to friends and families and acquaintances and advocating for the sport, everyone can drive growth in this sport if you choose to. And I would hope you would want to do that. Um, and I think it's important, but this sense of community is so different than. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I started at NASCAR in August, and I remember going to. I think we were in Kansas, uh, in the fall. So not soon after I started, and I was in the garage before it actually opened, and I was just sitting in, in by our you know kitchen hauler and sitting on a. bench by myself having a cup of coffee and this guy comes out of his way didn't know who I was comes out of his way because he was kind of walking in a straight line and he came over to me and he just said hey I want to I just want to say good morning how you doing today and I'm like I'm doing I'm doing great Richard Childress (laughs) went out of his way didn't know who I was no idea he really didn't know who you were did not know Oh my gosh. Know. So, and that's what this sport's about, right? Is, you know, it's just, um, so I was talking to a fan yesterday and up walks Richard Childress. Well, he does know me now. Yeah. And, they, and the fans like, oh, I'll let you talk to Richard. I'm like, he, he's he's good. Um, and then, you know, they took my picture with him and then um, I took their picture, I'm um, sure, with me and then I took their picture with him. So,
2: oh, you made your day what our right sport's there. About.
0: Right. And that's um it's um that's the sense of community that exists. Now we may not always we actually are more like family than not because let's be honest, you know, your brother's not coming on the show. Maybe he's trying to, trying to tell you a message, Mike.
2: Oh,
1: I, hey, I'm I,
0: just joking. No, I I believe my, my that. You know, that I, family
1: Everybody's right? had their little What they message do. would that be? Wobbles. I've heard your show, Mike. <laughs>
2: I, I you know <laughs> And I'll say my brother only goes on big time deals. He's a he's a, a Hall of Famer, a NASCAR right. Hall of Famer, right? NASCAR it's, champion, and, yeah. and th- he's got a lot of demand on him still today. A lot of people want him to do things, and you know, I think when he heard about this show originally, he thought it was you and I were sitting in some closet somewhere, and nobody ever heard it. Well, we are, and until <laughs> it's been fo- found out that the world's listening. That's right, the whole you world know? is listening. And, and when I. <laughs> I, I now and then I send him the guest list, and Richard Childress has been on our show. That's right. You know, Felix you Sabatis go. has been on our show. Mario Andretti Mario, has been on yeah. our show. I mean, so Come on. we are real, as I, I can say. I could get him a
1: Snickers bar for his appearance fee. Yep.
2: And uh, <laughs> then, then I, I pulled the Trump card that I didn't even know I had, not literally, but uh, the the car, right card. And uh, we had Steve Phelps on. He, <laughs> he said, okay, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> well, the only the only reason why is because, you know, he and I live in the same building here in daytona oh
2: so. really okay yeah well if you see him or you talk to him in the next week say hey i man i was on your brother's show and <laughs> it was unbelievable I, I, he killed it yeah we did, we're gonna kill it we we, <laughs> we are currently killing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yes yeah, so i'll i'm glad you uh translated that i'll have to ask him someday what that message was that i can get it clarified but uh, that's
0: great yeah
2: so uh, where were we at on that now I've, i lost I'm track. i'm not of- sure but so it's just
0: is- the the transition from from the nfl to nascar oh, yes. right? you- to me it was the best it was the best thing for you know at the nfl you know for any number of reasons i had i had plateaued and been in the same job for almost seven years and i thought i could do more and the opportunity to work at a sport that i love and i love the nfl too honestly i love nfl football it's tremendous um but the opportunity to come and you know come to NASCAR and you know hopefully see significant growth you know over the time I have left here is uh, is something I'm I'm eager to do and we've had an opportunity to to turn this sport around because we had seen some some softness and and now we're now we're growing again feels good
1: Right. So having said that, then you worked at the NFL. You're you're now with NASCAR. You're the VP of corporate marketing in 2005. And do you bring fresh ideas and new ideas? Did you have did you have big ideas? You have a lot of things you wanted to accomplish.
0: I think, um, yeah, I mean, for my job at that particular time really was around around selling sponsorships. And so uh, I would say the sport was doing a tremendous job of selling sponsorship, and Brett and his team did a great job. Um, I brought a little bit of a different approach, um, which is instead of slicing and dicing categories, you know, to the nth degree, is that we're going to actually create larger partnerships that create larger opportunities for those partners to help promote our sport. Um, And from there, six months later, they made me the chief marketing officer. So it was a bit of a jump from what I was most comfortable with, um, which was, you know, kind of the selling and partnership back to where I was actually being a marketer. Um, and so I would, I was overseeing not just the partnerships and the new business, but, um, marketing and communications and all the marketing functions. And, uh, that was, um, that was a, um, an exciting time for me because it, it, it let me do some things that, um, you know, kind of bridge those two jobs that are the, the multiple jobs that it had up until that point.
2: Steve, can you explain to everyone, including me and Jeff, what, what is the difference of those two jobs when you're selling sponsorships? And then the word marketing, where do those vary? Yep. Uh, you know, as a driver who we used to have to find and help and continue to find partners in the sport, we used to call them sponsors, sponsors. Doesn't seem yep. like that's the right phrase, but where does that? i I've always being confused on on that. How does? Uh... So,
0: yeah, so I think it's it. I'll. I think it's as simple as this. On, on the, on the partnership side or the sponsorship side, we're looking for two things. We're looking for money, and we're looking for companies that could help grow the sport through their own advertising and promotions that they would do. Um, and I think what happened. This was difficult for the sport is that as we went through you know, 2009 and 2010 and going through the recession, it really, companies scaled back. And so they didn't want to lose their NASCAR sponsorships, but they wanted to scale them back. And then the, the marketing, advertising, and promotion of it, they pulled back even more um, because they just couldn't afford it. And so that's kind of became the norm. And we've tried to, to grow that back, what became clear is that if we were going to market the sport, we would have to do it in in some cases largely by ourselves. So the sport was built on the backs of companies like Winston and Coke and you know different sponsors that were out there that were partners of the teams or partner of the drivers um, or partners through the sanctioning body, of the tracks. And now we had to do it ourselves, and so. What we tried to do is that so we increased our own advertising uh, marketing and promotion bucket. So it was instead of going to a third party, which was done by the sponsors, um, it was being done directly by us. Um, and it's tough to to pick up the slack of all that money that the the sponsors were spending to drive the sport forward. So, but we needed to do it and we still need to do it. In fact, we need to do a better job of it. And that's what my people are working on right now. One of the most important things that we can do is make sure that uh, the industry is speaking with one voice. And when I say the industry, I'm talking about obviously the sanctioned body and the tracks that we own, but the tracks that Marcus Smith owns and the independent tracks, as well as the teams and the drivers. If everyone is... um, is understanding the direction we need to go in and all are, are working together in order to accomplish that. This sport is going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to grow at an at a accelerated rate. I think that's absolutely doable. So that's kind of the difference as I see it, Mike, between sponsorship and you know as versus direct direct marketing advertising that we need to do as a sport.
2: Gotcha. Question, another question I have is I, I read some things that you've said and people have reproduced it out there. Where and why, uh, you know, NASCAR has always been the sanctioning body. They're, they're the boss. But there used to be International Speedway Corporation, which, you know, the people inside the sport, you say, well, the, that's the biggest part of the France family or whatever. But there was a big thing a couple of years ago where you guys, uh, you, meaning NASCAR, took and. I guess the best way to say it is you bought the assets. You bought all the racetracks from the Internet. And I, I read that you – it was kind of like it was for the betterment of the sport. And what did that mean? Yep. Why would you have done sure.
0: that? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I, I think that the merging of NASCAR and International Speedway Corporation is probably gets the least amount of credit to the trajectory of this, where the sport is now and growing. And the reason why I say that is if you're ISC and you're a publicly traded company, which they were, they have a responsibility to their shareholders to maximize their profits. And we don't have to do that, honestly. And so it's been a fundamental shift in how the the amount of money that we are spending relative to where, where international speedway corporation was at. Um, And, probably from a fan perspective the biggest example i can point to is what we do now with something i call schedule variation so for 20 years the the schedule really like from 2000 to 2020 it was exactly the same schedule exactly and you know it a date may move a week or we may take one race that you know and and move it somewhere else but for the most part the fans were getting the same same thing and they were not happy about it they wanted to see schedule variation do something differently have more short tracks have more road courses and that's what they were telling us so if you're international speedway corporation and you want to take a date for michigan and have a, a date for Michigan, you go from two races to one well it's not as efficient to do that right it's you can't amortize the cost across two races. You can only do it, you know, across one. Mm-hmm. And so us going to, you know, the LA Coliseum never would have happened, right? If if we just would have continued to race here, an event at, you know, the clash that really wasn't performing well. Um, I mean, just really wasn't. Um, and so we needed to shake things up or the opportunity to go take a race to, and race a street course for the first time. We're going to lose a lot of money on that event, um, but it's done for all the right reasons to grow the sport. So, the clash at the Coliseum 70, 70% of all the people who went to the event last year and this year were first time NASCAR fans. And the sales in Chicago are trending even higher than that. And so, hold that for- thought, Steve. Yeah, we want to talk more about Chicago, too, because that's a big deal.
1: Talking to NASCAR President Steve Phelps, you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR (laughs) Digital Media. On April 4th, 1976, Cale Yarborough, racing for Junior Johnson at the time, beat Richard Petty to the checkered flag after leading 364 laps of the Gwynn Stanley 400 at North Wilkesboro. And four miles down the street, Robert Handy Camping was born that very same year. Family owned and operated since 1976 in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, Mama, Scott, and Robert are always happy to take care of all your camping needs. With coach brands like Flagstaff and Salem, and every part your camper may need. This year, the NASCAR All-Star Race Week will be returning to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in almost 30 years. And NASCAR driver Mike Wallace will be at Handy Camping Center from 11 to 1 Friday, May 19th with Scott and the gang from Handy talking racing, camping, and everything in between. Handy Camping is located at 4387 US 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Race fans, see you there as NASCAR returns to. North Wilkesboro. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Handy Camping Center, located at 4387 U.S. 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Proud to welcome NASCAR All-Star Festivities back to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in almost 30 years. You can meet NASCAR driver Mike Wallace at Handy Camping Center from 11 to 1 Friday, May 19th. Talk race and talk camping Get you an autograph as NASCAR is back at North. Wilkesboro Speedway. Once again, we're talking to NASCAR president Steve Phelps, and here's Mike Wallace.
2: Well, Steve, as we t- we broke there, we were getting ready to talk about the Chicago race, and I'd like you to continue on that. But I'd also like, then, when we get past that, to go back from your marketing to where you know your present position in NASCAR sure. is. But uh, go back to Chicago. That was interesting. You you made mention you would, you guys were going to lose money on that race, but. It was trending in a new fan perspective from what it sounded like.
0: Yeah, so I think what we've tried to do, Mike, is to, is to create opportunities to celebrate um, not just new fans who are coming and experiencing things for the first time, but if you think about North Wilkesboro and All-Star, I would suggest of everyone that's going there, we're going to have very few first-time fans that are going to that facility. And that is a nod to our our core longtime existing fans who wanted to see a return of racing at that facility. And I think it's going to be a celebration. And then six weeks later, we're going to celebrate at our our first ever street course in the 75 year history of NASCAR. I think that's just a really cool thing because you, it's it's not just one thing. It's doing things differently and and creating entertainment, right? And experiences for our fans that, they didn't have for 20 years. And that's why I think that merger between NASCAR and ISC and, and also um, Speedway Motorsports taking their public company private as well. It allows you to do things for the long-term health and growth of the sport, even though in, you know, a quarter or two quarters or a year or two years, you actually are investing for the future. And as a public company, it's difficult to do that because, you have to get your your board of directors to say, "Well, gee, that makes sense." It's just not it's just not easy, and so things were done in in probably more of a formulaic way um, because hey, this is how we do things. Well, we don't do that anymore. We we need to grow the sport, and to grow the sport, you have to really challenge what you're doing in order to optimize the opportunity for growth in the sport.
2: So when when that decision from the nascar side was um internally made that hey let's go let's go take over international speedway corporation and i only asked this because you brought kind of brought it up a little bit was there conversation with the smith family to do their thing or did it just happen coincidentally at the same time and did the you know stock prices not prices but the stock world did that dictate both years decisions that way you could just do whatever you wanted at that point
0: yeah. So there wasn't the, they made their s- decision separately. Okay. I was thrilled that they made that decision. Um, and then they bought Dover as well. Um, and that was the last publicly traded entity that, that was in the sport. Um, at least from a, from a facility standpoint. And to me, that's good. Right. Cause it, it really, um, you're making decisions that are that, help grow the sport so Speedway Motorsports bringing a Texas date to Coda because we wanted to have more road courses on you know on the schedule is something they were willing to do um and again it's just it's trying to do something unique and different or Bristol dirt something unique and different um you know when and when we do things it doesn't mean we're going to do them forever we're just going to you know, as, as soon as things are not working to our satisfaction, we make another change um, to just try to keep it fresh. And some things will stay the same. So, if we have a facility that creates great racing and, you know, we're selling out or having real success from a ticketing standpoint, well, we'll continue to do that because obviously someone likes, you know, every, every week we have a scorecard. And that scorecard is, well, how'd you do it from an attendance standpoint? How'd you do it from a rating standpoint? And how'd you do from a digital and social standpoint? So it helps us, it helps inform what it is we're doing. And then the other thing that we do is we speak to our, we've got a 25,000 person panel that we speak to on a regular basis about what they like. What did they think about the racing? Um, you know, the racing at Kansas was terrific. Um, I mean, just amazing racing, lots of excitement and lots of hurt feelings and lots of other things, right?
2: I want to Great get to racing. that later on. Here. I, I got, a, I got a good question but, for yeah. you later
0: on. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably have to say no comment, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, no, but I think it's that the point is, is that we, we've got to keep it, you know, fresh and think you know, responsibly for the fan base. So that 25, that fan council of 25,000 people represents by and large, Long time core fans that have an opinion about where things are going. And sometimes we do things that upset them, and sometimes we don't. What I've said many times, which is true, it, given the size of our fan base, we can't make everyone happy. It's just an impossibility. Uh, with that said, we need to make sure we are directionally making things, you know, decisions that are positive. Um, and so we listen to the fans a lot.
2: So, backing up a little bit, I do that. <laughs> yeah right So we go from the marketing the main marketing guy for NASCAR and uh, to all of a sudden and it's not all of a sudden it just seemed like it happened overnight because I don't think anybody realized how long you'd been with NASCAR and all the great things you did there. you become the president of NASCAR how how was that um, conversation? how was that when they said, Stevie, we, we want you to come run this joint, run the organization, not the joint. Uh, <laughs> what, what was your thought about that? I mean, what, did, are, are we kind of privy that conversation was coming, and or did it come yeah. out of the blue?
0: So I would. So there was a there was a, a bit of an interim step, but it was pretty short. I was the chief operating officer for six months, so doesn't sound like much, and it probably isn't. I think that Jim and Lisa had designs on on make me the president pretty quickly thereafter. Um, so I would say, I'll answer your question now that it was incredibly humbling. Um, you know, in the opening, in the Jeff read the bio, it's being one of only five people to have held the, the title of president for NASCAR is pretty special. Um, and in my wildest dreams, as you know, a kid going to a, a race at as at five years old or, you know, grow up in Vermont or the university of Vermont or, you know, Boston college or my first or second, third, even when I got into sports thinking that I would be the president of NASCAR, not my wildest dreams. Um, and so it was super humbling when Lisa and Jim, you know, brought me into Lisa's office and said, this is what we want to do. Um, so uh, it's, you know, I was incredibly happy, but also pretty quickly felt the weight of an industry, you know, that that's on your shoulders, because even though we're fragmented with different stakeholders, it's, you know, kind of the buck stops here kind of thing. Um, so it's, it was pretty daunting pretty quickly, but I'm thrilled with it. I got the, I got the best, I got the best damn job in the world. It's just, uh, it's amazing.
2: Beautiful. Not easy. Not, not, not easy, easy no. but it's amazing. So just to, for all the people who are listening, I'd like to – you help me clarify. We, I know who Jim is, you know, and we know who Lisa sure. is. But for the outside yeah. fan that really doesn't know, Jim France and Lisa Kennedy France basically own NASCAR. Is that kind of how it works or what? what is – Yeah,
0: so, yeah, so I, I'd, I'd go further back. So okay. Jim France's father, Bill Sr., started NASCAR 75 years ago. And Lisa France Kennedy is um, is Jim's brother's daughter, um, and I talked about Brian earlier, and, and Brian's sister, um, and so Lisa ran. She was the CEO of ISC, um, and you know under her direction, you know I'm looking out my window here in Daytona Beach, and I see this beautiful facility. Um, and the $400 million that she was able to get together to redesign and uh, reimagine Daytona International Speedway. And she did the same thing at Phoenix, and she did the same thing at Talladega. And um, she she just did a terrific job in be, being able to help transform our facilities. Um, so those are, those are the two owners of NASCAR. Um, and so NASCAR is, you know, think of it as the governing body, um, of, of the sport, which is what we are, but we also own 15 racetracks. Um, and that's what happened with the, with the merger of ISC. We actually had three other racetracks that we already owned, which was Iowa Speedway plus, um, uh, road Atlanta and Sebring
2: i didn't know they own road atlanta look there i just learned something yep. again jeff how about that yeah I, it's an educational show yeah it is <laughs> we, we always say steve on this just, for show, hosts. What, yeah, just for the host just for the host was that a dig or no i couldn't figure no, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> no I'm i no, i mean that in such a positive way we all we always say every every show i learn something you think you know like you think you're smart and then it's like well, i didn't know that yeah. i did until richard childress was on a few weeks ago I did not know that the France family promoted Bowman Gray Stadium yeah. early in their life, and that's how they all met back in that's right. yesteryear. So it's like, oh my gosh, this this is amazing. So, uh, cool. So we got the ownership cleared up just then. You You did the interim as the chief operating officer, and then you were presented with an opportunity to become the president. And which nothing but kudos to you because, uh, man, what what a difficult job. And you also, if I'm correct, uh, Mike Helton was in that position when you took it over. And Mike is, yeah, I am saying that, right? Mike was the president? At so that I, time.
0: There there wasn't. So there was a guy who was the president for a year. Um, his name was Brent Dewar.
2: Oh, okay. Brent, um, yeah, that's right.
0: So Brent, Brent was the chief operating officer for three years, then they made him president. Um, and so he was president for about a year. Um, and then he helped with, um, you know, kind of took a step to the side and really ran point on, um, on helping us get the two companies merged. Um, and he did a, a really good job helping with all the different things we needed to do from a fund. He had a whole team with him, but he was kind of the point person he did, and he did a terrific job there.
2: Brett used to be, he was a GM for a while, wasn't he? When he he did was. Joe? Okay.
0: He is. Yeah. And then, but before, to your point, before Brent, Mike was, you know, Mike's, Mike's a legend. Um, and he is, he's been on the show, right? Or oh, no? yes.
2: Yes, he has. That's so, okay. uh, I, I was so just telling he, Jeff at the start of the show, I says, look at here, man. We had Mike Helton on. Now we got Steve <laughs> Phelps on. We're going places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Big time. <laughs> so my, Mike's a, Mike, you know, goes without saying he's a legend. Um, and he was the president of NASCAR for I don't know 16, 18 years, um, but has been with has been in the sports since, since the mid 80s and been with the France family. I'm gonna get this wrong since the early 90s, you know, maybe 92. Um,
2: I just and, remember uh, did, he went from Bristol to Atlanta yeah. to Daytona. That's right. Right. Well, yes, he was a and sports guy in too. Bristol, I think. Yeah, that's did right. Didn't he say that? And we were, do Just, what, didn't he do sports radio he, was a sports, he, not, he didn't run the racetrack. He was a sportscaster right yeah. in Bristol. So, so one of the funny things, <laughs> Steve, I think you'll appreciate this. We asked pri- primarily all the drivers and crew chiefs, you know, through their whole change, what did you drive to get to wherever you were at? Right. You know, it's... Early on, somebody got an old pickup truck, an old Vega, whatever. So, (laughs) so Mike was telling us that he drove this to Atlanta, and then he says he didn't drive anymore; he flew.
0: (laughs) He did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, he had his pilot's license. I didn't know. When he said he flew, he literally flew himself.
2: Oh really? I I was not aware of that. I. uh, Yeah. I thought he crawled up. He doesn't
0: fly anymore. Yeah. Okay, so he doesn't play himself anymore. We'll leave it at that.
2: So, a silly question, and because we're coming to the end of the break, and we got one more session after this. When you got your job at NASCAR, what were you driving? What kind of car do you have?
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Um,
2: and did you sell it, or did he buy you a new one, or did you take it to Florida?
0: Yeah. So okay. I uh, I'm trying to remember. Because I was living in in New York. I was living in New York City at the time. so might not have had a car. I have a car. (laughs) Um, So when when I came to to NASCAR, um, um, they were nice enough to give me a company car, which I, I believe was a Tahoe.
2: Oh, there you go. Very nice. Well, Justin Marks, remember when he said he came from K? He didn't have a car
1: when he came to Charlotte. Right. He just says he had a
2: suitcase. <laughs> and just just so you know,
1: just so you know Steve Todd Bodine leads in that competition. He drove from upstate New York to the south to participate in NASCAR in a Chevette. <laughs> oh,
0: that's
1: great. Let's take a let's take a break take a and time finish here. Up. Come back with more with NASCAR President Steve Phelps. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. On April 4th, 1976, Cale Yarborough, racing for Junior Johnson at the time, beat Richard Petty to the checkered flag after leading 364 laps of the Gwynn Stanley 400 at North Wilkesboro. And four miles down the street, Robert Handy Camping was born that very same year. Family owned and operated since 1976 in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, Mama, Scott, and Robert are always happy to take care of all your camping needs. With coach brands like Flagstaff and Salem and every part your camper may need. This year, the NASCAR All-Star Race Week will be returning to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the first time in almost 30 years. And NASCAR driver Mike Wallace will be at Handy Camping Center from 11 to 1 Friday, May 19th with Scott and the gang from Handy talking racing, camping, and everything in between. Handy Camping is located at 4387 US 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Race fans, see you there as NASCAR returns to North. Wilkesboro. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Handy Camping Center 4387 U.S. 421 in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Family owned and operated since 1976 with coach brands such as Flagstaff and Salem and every part your camper may need. Meet our guy, Mike Wallace, in person Friday, May 19th 11 to 1. Handy Camping Center. Proud to welcome NASCAR back to North Wilkesboro Speedway. The head Cheese, big guy. NASCAR president Steve Phelps on the line. And once again, here's Mike Wallace.
2: Yeah, but you can get away with all that head cheese, all that hey, stuff. On, yeah. That's good stuff, Perfect. right? Yeah, yep. wonderful. That was an ad lib, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's ad lib, too. <laughs> that's our whole show. We got paper. <laughs> but, uh, well, Steve, as we do come in the last segment here, we I've, I've jumped around and how we got on an old car, which... Um, it's engine, just fun. That's yeah, why. it's fun. And uh, so, so the president... Of NASCAR. We, we've established how you got there, how you got the opportunities, who preceded you before that. What does the president of NASCAR do? What are uh, when, I know this sound weird? the way I'm, I'm going to say it when you wake up in the morning. What's the first thought? And then what falls under your category? And do you micromanage or do you just have a good, great group of people that run everything for you?
0: Yeah. So it depends on the, on the day. And also depends on kind of where you are in the calendar um, for what my day would look like. It's, it, no day is ever alike, which is good, right? It's exciting Mm because there's, it's never dull um, and it's never mundane. Um, But I think, you know, right now we are in the middle of our media rights negotiations um, with Fox and NBC and actually are in what's called a third party window. We're, Allowed to have discussions with others. The great news for us is that both both existing partners want to renew. Great. And we've got lots lots of on lots of interest from others, um, which is important because we want to drive two things: maximum revenue, but also the best exposure that we can get. So, what's the distribution that that we want? So that's super important right now. And then uh, another piece that you know, we're spending a lot of time on is, you know, Jim France and I are in the midst of going to our 16 charter owners um, and having discussions with them about charter extensions. Um, So that's obviously very important as well. The teams are a huge part of our ecosystem. Um, So we need to make sure that they are, you know, that we're hearing from them and what's important to them. And so, but kind of the cadence we'll have is we'll do the media rights and get that secured and then extend our charter and um so that's um those are two important things for right now so obviously um once those are done those aren't things that i will have to you know wake up in the morning and think about because they're going to be concluded now obviously we want to be good partners to both our race teams as well as you know our media partners but at least the negotiations will be concluded um, but there's always something, right? You know, so last year it was the introduction of the next gen car and that was super important. And then we had some safety issues that we had to address and that was super important. So it really, as the president of NASCAR, you touch a lot of different things. Um, but we also own different race series. So it's not just the cup series. It's not just the Xfinity series or the camping world truck series. It's, you know, we own ARCA. We own IMSA um, and obviously, you know, weekly, um, you know, the weekly and touring series, you know, and each one of them has, is important, right? Plus the 15 racetracks, what racetracks need capital? What fan improvements are we going to do? Um, you know, we, we spent a significant, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on capital expenditures every year. At our facilities so everything's different right and so it it, it just kind of what is sequencing and so what are the day-to-day things that are on my calendar and then what are the long-term strategic things that we want this where where the sport to be in five years and in 10 years Um, because you have to plan those things now um, if in order to you know kind of get you get where you need to go so I know it's a bit of a vague answer, but there's, it's just kind of all over the map. Um, I think the single biggest thing that the person in this position needs to do is to make sure everyone understands what is the vision for the sport and what are we doing to get there and then get them to both understand it and then to participate. Right. And that's critical because if you're going to do it just by silos, NASCAR does its thing, Speedway Motorsports does its thing, each race team does its thing, drivers, you know, just driving the race car, it's not going to it's not going to work, right? We need everyone to to collaborate and push this sport forward. And I'm excited about what that opportunity looks like for us because I think it's going to change. Uh, it'll be it'll be different. Than what has happened in the first 75 years. But I think it's honestly is going to be what the sport needs for today because the sport today has different needs than what it had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago.
2: Can you share a thought on those needs or we need to wait to see how that plays out? No,
0: I think that I think it's really, um, I, I'm happy to. I, I think it's, if you think about, you know, one of your sponsors is NASCAR Digital Media, right? So NASCAR mm-hmm. Digital Media essentially is nascar.com and then affiliate. Um, like we do the, the websites for Richard Childress, um, and we do the websites for the Wood Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sit on the NASCAR dig- digital, media no. platform. So that is, but most of the race teams don't live on it. So they should all live on it because it makes the most sense for us collectively because it drives the numbers forward in terms of the number of people who are, who are subscribing to, or or, um, you know, looking at NASCAR.com either through a mobile device or through a computer, and so those that's something simple. Or how do we, incent the drivers to do more to promote the sport? Um, and so we're thinking about some different ways, to do that. You know, working with Jeff Burton and Kevin Harvick and others, on how to. Drive, um, you know, kind of star power, if you will. Yeah. Um, we got a brand new production facility that's going to open in Q1 of 2024. That will transform our business. Um, but we have to make sure everyone is, you know, kind of, you know, rowing in the same direction, if you will. Um, so that is that's the transformational component of it. Is working with our race teams and our drivers and Speedway Motorsports and our broadcast partners in order to all understand where we need to go and what role each of the stakeholders plays in the success of the sport. That's different, honestly, than where we've been, but it's going to be critical if we're going to continue to grow.
2: Well, that's exciting. I, I do want to throw something out at you live just to go ahead and get it out in front of you. I heard Kevin Harvick and Jeff Burton. But if you if you need a guy that's won a few races at Daytona and a Winston Racing Series championship, I, I'm open to help. So just, just happy to give my opinion. <laughs>
0: Your guy's right here, well, Steve. Well, I, and I love that. And Mike, I know that you're not afraid to give your opinion. I love that.
2: <laughs> well, I I, I hope you, I hope you know, and I'm gonna I'm very sincere right now. And I hope you know that I and the Wallace family, I'll speak for myself only, loves NASCAR. It gave me an opportunity as a kid from St. Louis, Missouri, to, you know, drive race cars on a weekly basis at a half mile, quarter mile dirt track, third mile asphalt track to win a a national championship that was tied to Winston and RJR and NASCAR at that time, and then have an opportunity to come make a living for almost 25 years. So it's near and dear. And as we uh, sometimes say, we we all agree to disagree at times. And sometimes the disagreements come across wrong, but they're really not meant to be. And um, anything I could ever do to help the sport, and um, I would love to. So uh,
0: and I, I, I appreciate that, and that, and honestly, Mike, that's why I came on your show, um, because I respect I respect you, and you asked if I would come on, and I said, of course I will, I'd be happy to.
2: No, oh, it was quite quite an honor. I told Jeff as soon as it happened, it was like, oh man i'm feeling really good right
1: now and you
0: helped us recruit brother rusty (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure i had anything to do with that but
2: we're giving you the credit for it how's that
0: (laughs) so it is his his condo is up on the 26th floor mine's on the 23rd so he looks down on me anyway okay see
2: so he's still living in the condo i thought he bought him a house down there
0: he did he hasn't moved in yet
2: oh okay well, you, you guys, do you, since you're about that, do you guys like do anything in the condo project together? You sit out and have a wine really. or anything he's, like that?
0: No, he's, he, you know, I usually see him across the street at a restaurant. Okay. Uh, he, he and Patty. Um, mm-hmm. So in around bike week, um, you know, Kenny's, Kenny was with him and Steven was there as well. So it was a family affair. Um, so when they were getting <laughs> takeout for like 12 people, <laughs> um it
2: was great wonderful so steve you had you've had an exciting exciting life to, it sounds like to me you started as a fan in nascar just at the local short track you worked your way through probably one of the greatest scholarship deals i've ever heard in my life mom mom <laughs> got it for you <laughs> and didn't even have to uh then you uh you worked yourself through college, and you got with a big ad agency. Then you were, went to the biggest, one of the biggest sports entities in the world, which is the NFL. And uh, you were courted by NASCAR, and you, you thought you could do better at NASCAR and make the sport better, and it sure seems like you have. And uh, what's new and exciting in this final three minutes? We can tell the fans that... You know steve phelps is out there hitting it every day with his whole group and his team at nascar both in daytona charlotte probably new york and other places around the country um any anything that you can share that people don't know about yet
0: um well i think uh, I, a little bit more of the same so i think we're going to continue to have schedule variation so new ge- new geography new places you know, the Chicago street course is important. So it's a bit of a proof of concept. Does it work? How's the racing? You know, we, the ticket sales have been good. Um, but h- how is it going to work? Um, and does that open up an opportunity to go to other cities or not? Um, you know, if it's a complete flop, then we're not going to do it again. Um, and I think, you know, for us constantly trying to get the racing better, constantly working on safety are are things that are paramount for us. And so I know it sounds cliche, but I think it's, it's absolutely the truth. Um, and then I do think this, this opportunity to create better, more unique content to serve our existing fans and to serve new fans too. Um, and those things, I think people get confused. They're, they're not, you can do both, right? Because you speak to the, uh, A fan of 50 years differently, you're going to speak to a fan of 50 days. Um, And so you need to make sure that you are serving content to them the right way. And then we need to continue to invest in making the the race event experience. So when they come to the racetrack, it's the best it can be. And we spent a lot of money over the last two years trying to make our midways better. Um, So if we don't have as many sponsors coming to the midway, you better – make it exciting for the fans themselves. So we have this thing we started this year, which has a massive flag on top of it and a stage called the, um, you know, NASCAR experience and it flies the 75th anniversary NASCAR banner. And it's just a cool thing. It's got a kids zone. It's got, you know, a dozen simulators. It's got, it's just a really fun thing for fans to do. Um, but every time you do that, it costs money. Um, what I can tell the fans is that we're going to continue mm-hmm. to invest to make our, both our show, the product itself, the racing itself, as good as it can be. And we're gonna continue to, to drive sellouts and we're gonna continue to make the race day experience or the race weekend experience better. Um, and so you look what we've done in camping. I mean, camping has been a massive su- success over the last three years. Um, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And camping sales every week are, are up, year over year or sold out. Um, so it just—I'm super proud of what this industry has done to pull itself up by its bootstraps during COVID, and then get to a better place um, and continue the growth that that we've experienced. So it's—it's um, it's a great time to be here. Well, it's a great time to be a fan.
2: Yeah. Well, Steve, from everyone that I've spoke to in the garage area, the race fans I run into around the world—they love what you're doing. You're making a change, and, and we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it, and just want to say thank you for everything you're doing. And uh, I do want to bring two things up, trying to have a little bit of humor at the end of this. Number, the, This first one is sincere to me. I don't know if you have anything to do with the voting of it, but I really love that NASCAR voted in Larry Phillips as one of their 75th greatest drivers. Larry Phillips was from Springfield, Missouri. My father raced against him. My brother raced against him, and I raced against him. Yeah, his car was number seventy-five. Oh, I raced cool. him in nineteen ninety yeah. and was fortunate enough to outrun him for the regional championship at that particular year. And to have somebody you you've raced against uh, be one of the top seventy-five is wonderful. So, uh,
0: Pat- yeah, I think he's I think he has like. Five or six championships,
2: right? Uh, I think there was like thirteen. Oh, oh in the as far as the national championships, five. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he he so much deserves recognition, and yeah. I just wanted to let you know because we raced at the same exact racetrack, Lebanon I forty four Speedway and Bolivar USA Speedway, and he was a he was a legend that that the sport somewhat, if you want to say, overlooked for a while. And sure. I can tell you, the Midwest is really jacked up right now. They're excited that he got you know, acknowledges Very that. Awesome. So uh, great job. Great job. And I uh, want to thank you for your time. And I hope sometime or another, we can get you to come back and maybe talk about other aspects of the sport.
0: Well, I enjoyed my time, gentlemen. So uh, thank you. If there's anything I can do for you guys, please let me know.
1: All right. We'll do that. Very good. There he goes. NASCAR president, Steve Phelps. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.